Episode 46, the Photon Podcast. National Parks on the air, summits on the air, and more coming up. MTCRadio.com presents Photon, the other ham radio podcast. Found online at photonepodcast.com. Now, here's your host, Kale Nelson, K4CDN. It is episode 46. It's hard to imagine that we're so rapidly approaching our 50th episode. Now, they might, that might not sound like a big deal. I mean, if you're a podcast listener, what is 50 episodes? Well, it's a culmination of almost two years of podcasting here as we do a, a bi-weekly program in the Photon Podcast. Now, the Photon Podcast from day one has been geared towards the new amateur radio operator. So if you're looking to get in the hobby, maybe you're just getting into the hobby or coming back to the hobby for for some time away we're here for you and we do this every other week with that premise in mind now that doesn't mean again i always default to say it doesn't mean if you've been an amateur for a very long time we don't have something here for you we've got something for everyone and we so sincerely and genuinely appreciate you joining us every other week listening and sharing and making sure your friends in the hobby know about the podcast as well yeah, on this show, uh, we're going to have Stuart Thomas come on. He's going to chat with us about all things national parks on the air, and we're going to touch on summits on the air as well. Stuart spends a lot of time outdoors with his radio, and I think he's got a lot to offer. It's been quite a while since we've talked about outdoor operations for amateur radio, going back to maybe, what, uh, episode 3, 4, 5, and 6, somewhere in there. So we're going to revisit those things and also get into this, what is the national parks on the air? And uh, why is it turned into such a surprise for me personally that uh, folks are so excited about it? So make sure you stick around for that. ICOM America is known for great gear and MTCRadio.com is known for great prices. Make sure you check out all the ICOM gear this week when you're shopping around at MTCRadio.com. This is uh, Kale. Uh, thank you again for tuning in. As always, we, we try to bring you some great stuff, and we've got a good one for you this time through. Uh, Stuart Thomas is with us, Kilo Bravo One, Hotel Quebec Sierra. And uh, Stuart hails from up around our nation's capital, and we, we've been Facebook friends for, I guess, since Photime went on Facebook. And uh, Stuart, you, you contacted me with a great idea for a show. And uh, you've been working a lot of these national parks on the air. But before we talk about the uh, national parks on the air, let's talk about who Stuart Thomas is. And uh, let's get some ideas about uh, what you enjoy doing in the hobby. Sure. Um, So I've been licensed as an amateur radio operator for about 15 years. And my old man, um, literally my old man, has been a ham for, well, pretty much forever. And so I've kind of been around it all my life. And you know, it's just been a fun hobby I've been doing on the side, and um, yeah, I'm an extra, and that's pretty much it. Okay, well, <laughs> that was a pretty quick version, but so so you're it's, it wasn't just um, it wasn't like Sarah Tibbetts from one of our last programs or or somebody like me who was just a radio geek. You've been kind of surrounded by amateur radio your entire life. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, my old man dragged me to Hamfest. You know, when I was just a youngster. And, you know, I would go in a shack and, and, you know, check out all his radios and climb towers and help him build antennas and whatnot. So, yeah, I've been around for a while. And, you know, I got licensed back in, I think it was like 01. And then um, I kind of dropped it for a while, kind of like a lot of people do, and then just kind of picked it back up. 
Fantastic. Well, we appreciate you coming on here with us. Uh, we know that you've been quite busy. Uh, now, we've, we're going to talk about summits on the air. We're going to talk about national parks on the air. Uh, we haven't talked about summits on the air in quite a while. We, that was one of our first couple of episodes. We, we kind of talked about man pack radios. We talked about summits on the air. Uh, can we talk a little bit about that? Uh, that's From what I'm gathering from you, that's kind of what you really enjoy about amateur radio. And uh, for somebody who may have just stumbled into the program, they haven't listened to our back library or anything. They don't understand really what summits on the air, national parks on the air, how they kind of maybe co- you could consider a coincide fact- factor there. But uh, can you give us a little bit of update on why you enjoy that and what exactly it is? Sure. Um, so one thing I did mention previously is that all of my amateur radio operation is or operating is um, portable or mobile. I don't do any operation from home. So for me to go out, and I also do a lot of backpacking and hiking. Um, I used to live up in Maine, and I have a lot of really great areas up there um, to do summit activations for soda. So, you know, doing going outside and, and playing with radios is um, just kind of go together for me. It work really well. Um, and national parks on the air and summit on the air um, are very similar in the, in the sense that they take place um, in outdoor recreational areas um, in national parks for um, national parks for uh, national parks on the air, for example. Uh, I've been doing someone on the air for a couple of years now and I've uh, had a lot of fun with it. And then uh, beginning of January of this year, um, ARRL mentioned that they were going to um, have this program national parks on the air. So I just kind of got involved with it. Living in Northern Virginia, it's, you know, there's a bazillion, you know, at least 87 billion different parks around um, for me to go activate. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. Now, are, are you uh, contesting with yourself to see how many you can activate this year? Or is it just when you have a chance to go, you're trying to go out and participate to activate these national parks for folks that are chasing them? That's a good point. Um, I, first of all, it's not a contest. Uh, a lot of people seem to think it is, but it's actually not. It's just, um, it's just an event that AWRL is putting on um, to celebrate the 100-year anniversary of the national park system. And, um, you know, I go out. I operate portable mobile anyhow, so for me to go to a national park um, nearby is, isn't really that much of a reach for me because that's what I do anyhow um, is to go portable or mobile. So I just go out because I like to have fun. Um, I don't really care about the points. Um, I have a list of about 100 different parks that I want to activate before 2017, and I'm about 35 or 36 in right now, so i got a ways to go. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's, it's just something fun to do. I don't Unlike a lot of people, I don't take ham radio super serious. I don't take myself super seriously. So, you know, it's just something fun to do and uh, to get outside. So, well, it's it's almost uh, a way to guarantee an outdoor contact. It kind of, I guess, it kind of makes your your time to go and and take your gear and set up to uh, to make it worthwhile because you've got folks who want to make those contacts. Exactly. Yeah, and you know, the beautiful the beautiful part is I, I run QRP about ninety nine point nine percent of the time. So. You know, previously, you know, I really had to work at it to make contacts. It's not so much the case now. You know, I spot myself and I'm on the air and I have a massive pileup. And, you know, they may be giving me four by four or, you know, you know, five, two or whatever. But for signal reports, but they want to work me and they'll work me if I go below the noise floor. I mean, it's they want the points. So it's uh, it's definitely in my favor in that regards. And, you know, if you're a new amateur radio operator, this is a perfect opportunity to to get out there and to be on you know the receiving end of a pileup or even just a lot of contacts and to be able to really you know hone your operating skills um so 
Well, operating outdoors is a lot different than sitting in your barn or in your shack and, you know, your wife bringing you, what was it, the Schlitz commercial uh, from years ago out of the magazines we see on Facebook. But, yeah, it, it's a lot more work. And uh, I know that there are some considerations that have to be made when you when you get prepared to go out for an activation like that. Uh, before we get too deep into exactly uh the the nuts and bolts of it what are some some of the overview things that you have to kind of prep for as you go out um to 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 do one of these national park on the air activations kind of like a 360 view uh so 360 view um what i do is i will go um to first of all i'll look at awrl site and i'll see um you know they have a whole listing on their page and i'll send you the link for that you can put up um, and it'll, it'll list um, all the parks, national historic trails, rivers, scenic trails, everything that they have that's available to activate. Um, or you're going to be a chaser, chase after. And so I, fi- I figure out what park I want to go to. And for example, George Washington Memorial Parkway is a popular one. So I choose that. Um, I go to the National Park Service site. I look to see if there's any advisories, if any roads are closed, operating hours, um, that sort of thing. And then um, I also, the really important part is I look at the designator um, and I write that down. Um, for example, George Washington is Papa Kilo 02 because you have to give that designator to the chasers when they contact you. And then at that point, you just charge up batteries, load the gear up, grab the dog, and off you go. Now, are you doing this uh, as a solo act? Do you have anybody going with you to help you, uh, you know, uh, ship shipper in your gear or anything? Or is it just something that you're doing with the dog? Uh, it's pretty much just me and my dog. Um, my wife does go on occasion. She serves as the driver um, if I don't feel like driving. Um, and then she'll go and walk the dog and hang out the park. Um, but, yeah, I pretty much run solo. And I don't, you know, my gear is really lightweight because I do, previously to this, I did Soto. So everything, Soto, so everything was very, very lightweight and portable with a KX3 and, you know, small battery pack and small antenna. I operate mostly at these parks in the car as mobile um, just because it's easier. And one thing to keep in mind, um, if you're going to set up, I would say, outside of your car in a park, you know, say you're thinking of putting up a table and a banner and you know, throwing some wire up in a tree, in the trees, you really need to talk to the National Park Service beforehand at that particular park. Um, because if you're going to have a banner and brochures and all that kind of, thing, kind of stuff, they're going to require you to have a permit of sorts. Um, and often I've heard they will waive the, the, um, the permit fee. If uh, if you talk to them beforehand, uh, but if you think you're just going to go set everything up and just start rocking and rolling, it's they're going to shut you down. Um, so you need to really work with them beforehand and not just make assumptions. So that's really important. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that Our, my local club here, Kilo Four India India, uh, decided they were going to activate the Cowpens Battlefield National Park, which is just on the upper mm-hmm. end of our county. Uh, it, yep. it was one of the most decisive battles in the revolution, or one of the very decisive battles in the Revolutionary War. And, and they thought it'd be great. And I think it'd be a great fun to go do. So they decided, you know, they were going to take the trailer, the club trailer, and set it up and a tent, you know, some of our pop up tents and this and that. And they, uh, they contacted the, the, the National Park Service there, and they said, yeah, we'd love to have you guys come on. And then they call back with a, yeah, we're coming on this particular day, uh, and we're going to bring our trailer. And they's like, oh, you got hold on just a minute. We're going to need you to have a, a certificate of insurance for liability insurance because of the uh, the stuff they were bringing along with them. So um, if I think the way that you're doing it is kind of maybe what the ARRL had in mind when they came up with this idea. 
uh, not to discourage clubs from participating, but just a heads up, you may need a million-dollar insurance policy to satisfy some of the regs depending on your local federal folks there at the park you, you wish to, to activate. And then, like you said, you need if you're going to go and do more than just like you're saying, you're going to have to kind of call ahead and make friends. I guess that may be the best way to say it. True, true. Yeah, you know, the flip side of that is, you know, this this whole um, event, this year long event, is really to help promote amateur radio um, to people that may not be familiar with it, as well as helping the National Park Service celebrate the hundred year anniversary. Um, they do want people to be aware that you know we're amateur radio operators and what we do um, as a hobby as well as a, a service. So, you know, it's, you just, you just need to make sure you follow the regulations. And if you go into the AWRL site and look at their um, stuff, they'll, they'll be able to explain it all. It's, it's pretty clear. And if you have any questions, you can always call them. We'd be happy to help on that. So, right. Cool. All right. Well, let's take a break. We'll go come right back. We've got Stuart Thomas with us here. His call is Kilo Bravo One Hotel Quebec Sierra. We're talking national parks on the air, portable operations and more back in a sec. This portion of the Photon Podcast is brought to you by BridgecomSystems.com. BridgecomSystems.com, our new 220 friends, they're making it happen in the amateur world. Most folks thought that, uh, hey, 220's a forgotten band, nobody's making anything for it. Well, have no fear, Bridgecom Systems is here. They've got their brand new handy talkie, they've got their repeater, and the base mobile ships in just a few weeks. You can find more information at BridgecomSystems.com. All right, we're back with Stuart Thomas. His call is Kilo Bravo One Hotel, Quebec Sierra. I am Kale, K4CDN, and we've been talking about NPOTA, National Parks on the Air 2016. And uh, Stuart's been activating now. I mean, he's got this really low number of activations. This, you know, just the second, third weekend of February, and he's already activated 30 some odd parks. Poor guy. But um, he's going to tell us a little bit about Stuart. Tell us a little bit about. Uh, well, kind of what we were talking about before the break. You you need to know what you're doing before you go in there. You mentioned checking the websites and going over that, but there's some more details that we could probably share with the listener here to give them a better idea about how to go about doing this the right way. Because no one's entitled for anything here. This is a it's an opportunity. So how do we not squander that opportunity? Okay. Um, so the first thing is keep in mind that even if you're going by yourself, like for example, if I go to a park. Um, I often talk to the park rangers, and there is a brochure that ARRL has that you can download. I took it to Staples. It's color. I printed it off, and um, I give it to them when I go. And it gives a really good explanation of what the program's about, who we are, you know, if they have any questions, who they can contact. And you just try to keep in mind that even if you're by yourself or if you're with a club or whoever, when you're at those parks and you're, you know, interacting with the park rangers or the public, you are representing amateur radio um, as it is. And if, you know, you give off bad examples or attitude, that's going to affect the rest of us because they do talk, you know, and they say, oh, we had those guys from, you know, the amateur radio guy and he was horrible. You know, he caused <laughs> a lot of problems. So, you know, try to try to be a good ambassador of the uh, of the hobby. Um, you know, sometimes I go and I pick up trash. I was at Piscataway Way Park um, down in Maryland and there's a certain part of that park for whatever reason, there's just tons of trash. So I try to pick up some trash, you know, and, and just try to try to help out a little bit. Um, you know, they're always looking for volunteers to, you know, to do various things. So, you know, it never hurts. Um, the other thing I just want to mention, um, when you go in these parks, that's really big that I've come across is 
I've mentioned to him, hey, you know, when it gets warmer, you know, here in Virginia, can I sit at this picnic table and throw, you know, a dipole wire antenna up in the tree? And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. Can't put wires up in the trees. Can't put any rope on the trees, whether it's a hammock or whatever the case may be. Um, they were really, really consistent about that every park I went to. Um, I did mention to one of them, I said, you know, the hammock guys, they have like tree savers that they use when they hang their hammocks to you know, prevent the trees from getting damaged. Was that acceptable? And a couple of them kind of entertained that thought, but I never got any real clear answers on that. So, um, you know, using a magnetic loop like an Alex loop or um, something that's basically freestanding, um, you know, like a fishing pole type um, extension for an antenna or whatever the case may be, might be a way to go. So just something to keep in mind. Well, yeah, that's a good point. I haven't even considered, you know, I, I thought that what would be the big deal of, you know, tossing up a, uh, a clothesline yo-yo in the tree, but if that's a no-no, you can't use the yo-yo. So, uh, so like you said, the fishing pole, the crappy pole, they call it, uh, I've got the Pactena. Yep. The Pactena w- would be excellent yeah, nice for something one. like that. Uh, buddy pole, you know. Some, yeah, buddy pole, yeah. Yeah, yep. anything like that that's freestanding. Um now, when when you when you you sit in your car, you say, uh, "What are you using to operate there? Are you using just a mobile uh, stick type antenna?" Exactly. Yeah, just a, a twenty, and then I have a forty uh, meter antenna that a, another activator actually. I was at um, the George Washington birthplace down in uh, Maryland, and I pull up, and there's a guy in a car with a big antenna on the back. So of course I, I didn't know him, but I was I had a, a sneaky suspicion of who he was. So I I pulled up next to him. Of course, there's nobody else in the entire parking lot because it's the middle of winter. I rolled out my window and I'm like, "Is that a CV antenna?" He just looked at me and he was like, "No, it's." An, I was like, "I'm just kidding, dude." And I knew it was an amateur radio, but I just had to mess with him, you know. So we, I mean, we'd never even met before, but you know, we chatted and we had a great time. And he loaned me a 40 meter antenna to try out, and you know, it's you know, that's that's what ham radio is all about. You know, it's helping each other out. So. Um, but yeah, that's what I have. It's just uh, just some basic um, hamstick type antennas on the back. Nothing fancy. Cool, cool. And and so you're running twenty and forty meters. I guess those are your favorite for your contacts. Yeah, for the most part, they're, they're popular. Um, it, you know, it, it's uh, it works well. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I love twenty. It seems uh, it's almost like a like a band you can get on and just play and cheat, and it's not really you don't hurt yourself to have fun on twenty. <laughs> exactly exactly so, uh, so go, go ahead i'm sorry i was going to ask you a question but you continue oh no go ahead i was just going to say um when you're planning for your spring and summer uh are you are you going to try to do the picnic table kind of operating or are you still oh, just for sure okay. yeah no question no question about it um and you know that's that's yeah exactly and you know you never know you might go to a park and say you talk to a park ranger explain who you are and, and say, this is what I want to do. And they might be like, they might be fine with that. You know, I think maybe if you have a picture of you, let's just say, for example, at a picnic table and maybe you bring in the antenna and you show them, yeah, it's just, just using paracord. There's no weight to it. Really. It's, you know, you, you would be careful not to break anything. I don't know. It might, they might be fine with it. Um, but you have to ask. So, right. um, that's well, of, of course, I mean, you can take your picture of your KX3 because, just like the majority of our guests here on the program, you all have one, so you can place it there on the picnic table and take a shot and and send it. I'll off. be sure to send a picture to you of mine. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Everybody else does. <laughs> We've got the hashtag KX3 for Kale. I don't know if you've seen that one yet or not, but uh, no, I haven't. It finds it's itself fun. on Twitter every once in a while. Yeah, the, and and who knows? Uh, Stuart is a Kilo Bravo One Hotel Quebec Sierra. Stuart, tell us a little bit about uh, some of the rules from the ARRL regarding this contest. We've talked about playing nice when you get to where you're going, uh, not being a lid while you're there. 
Um, <laughs> you would be surprised. Well, you and me, we may not be surprised, but some of the newer guys may be surprised how some of our fellow amateurs can act at times. But um, there are rules as well for the ARRL connection. So tell us how that kind of plays into this whole thing. Sure. So um, first of all, they're the ultimate authority on, on it because I set this whole thing up. So first of all, you need to have 10 contacts as a minimum to activate the park. And I'm talking as an activator. Um, you can reactivate that park over and over again, but you have to have a 24-hour period in between activations. So I can't go to a park, activate it in the morning, get 10 contacts, have lunch, and then reactivate it again. You have to have 24 hours in between. Um, when you're done um, with your activation, you have to upload it to Logbook of the World. And um, if you don't activate the park, let's say you just get eight contacts, which happened to me uh, initially, you still should upload your contacts to Logbook of the World because the chasers will still get credit. So even though you don't get to activate it, they're still going to get credit for it. And um, each park or National Historic Trail, whatever the case may be, you get one point uh, basically per designator. So, for example, George Washington Memorial Parkway, which is Papa Kilo 02, and that's the designator for it. You get, if you activate that park as an activator, you get one point. Now, this Sunday, I'm going to go and activate Fort McHenry, which is up in Baltimore, Maryland. And it actually has three designators because it's three different parks, if you will. You have Fort McHenry, Mike, November 31. You have Star Spangled Banner National Historic Trail, Tango Romeo 22, and Washington Rochambeau National Historic Trail of Tango Romeo 23. Say that three times fast. <laughs> so, you know, it, that's a three, what they call a threefer, right? So you get so the chaser is going to get three points um, for their contact. Um, I'll also get three points as an activator. Okay. So, okay. It, and as you imagine, it becomes very popular because you're getting a lot of points fast. Mm. Um, and the other thing to mention is the activator can also be a chaser. So let's say I'm at Fort McHenry, and let's say you're at George Washington Memorial Parkway as an activator, and we happen to connect with each other. We can cross-exchange the uh, designators and get points as well. So it's kind of fun. So you kind of almost double up. Yeah, yeah, I guess in a way. I don't, I'm sure somebody's done it by now. I haven't done it. Um, being QRP, I can never get through the pileups myself. Yeah. Um, just the way it goes. Well, I know that uh, there's some, some regulations on modes as well, so go ahead and tell us about those. Sure. So um, as far as modes, um, you can't use anything that's Internet-related. So um, you can't do digit repeaters, Echolink, IRLP, um, no crossband. Um, transmissions or aeronautical or repeaters. So you can't fly through, you know, six different parks and make contacts. Can't use repeaters, but you can use simplex and um, all bands except 60 meters. And each QSO, um, you only get one point per unit. So if you're a chaser and I'm an activator and you make contact and we make contact, say, on three different bands, you're, still, we're, you're only going to get one point. You're not going to get multiple points like some of the contests. I got you. So. Got you. Well, it's uh, it seems like it's it, it may not be a contest, but it it uh, is probably shaping up to be a contest between friends and fellow. Um, well, I mean, I hear guys all the time. I'm going home to chase some national parks, and I'm like, I wish I had time to turn the radio on, you know. But but it's even uh, the folks that I I didn't really think would be interested in this. They're having a lot of fun trying to find you guys. And apparently, um, you're out doing a great job of it, but there's a lot of guys out there doing it as well. Uh, have you been surprised at the amount of traffic that this uh, National Parks on the Air has generated for the amateur community? I would say so, yeah. It, it seems to be really, really popular. Um, 
who knew you know, that you know national parks that people would really be into it. Um, I love national parks. I've been to a ton of them, not just in the last six weeks, but um, all my life. So it's it's um, it's really cool to see you know people getting more awareness about them. Um, it's it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, and like where you're located, there's kind of a concentration for you know a, a no better way to see it. But maybe out in uh, Nebraska, Wyoming, they they probably have their share of national parks. But like you said, where you're at, there's just literally thousands of them because there's so much historical significance at so many different places around that area. Oh yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, if you look at the you know the Maryland, Virginia, D.C. metro area, it's it's there's huge amounts of parks everywhere, and you know there's one. There's some of them you can't. It's just not going to happen. And you probably guess what that's going to be is the White House. Yeah. And not saying I'm not going to try that. I'm not going to put in paperwork for it. And I already know the answer to it. But I mean, could you imagine the pileup if I was calling you know CQ National Parks on the air from the White House? That would be epic. You got that huge black iron fence out there that you could nail as your ground and uh you you well i mean a guy got over the fence into the to the almost the second floor you might be able to do some running qrp there or something i don't know may never hear from you again might be the last contact you <laughs> get from you. the last one as long as i can get 10 right that's all i need is yeah 10, just right? 10 just guys after. 10 guys <laughs> uh, that sounds like a crazy that that would be one of those um that'd be one of those funny movies to make on the, the computer there but so uh Let's go back just a few minutes um, and talk again about the national parks. Um, are, are there any places in a national park that you would advise not to go to try to set up? Like, of course, the the White House is completely off the off the the, the prairie there. But uh, I mean, would you pull your car up in front of the uh, the guard shack or the welcome center? Or are you going to just kind of go over and hide out of the way? Um, I usually just pull into the parking lot, um, depending on the park, but that's, yeah, I just pretty much set up wherever. Um, I, the one thing I always do is I always look above to make sure there's not any power lines above me before I put my antennas on for obvious reasons. But beyond that, I don't, you know, I keep a low profile, but I, you know, I don't, I mean, I'm in my vehicle with a laptop in my lap and a microphone in my hand. It can't be any more unobtrusive than that with a zero footprint. I mean, it's, it's pretty low profile and, you know, I'll talk to the park rangers. I'll give them the brochure. You know, I get the stamp to have proof that I was there, and you know that's pretty much it. Um, I don't like I said, come spring and summer, fall, it's I'll be more outside, so that'll that'll change up some as far as being more more out in the park. I got you, I got you. We're going to come right back here with Stuart Thomas. He's telling us all about the national parks on the air for 2016 with the ARRL, and he's out there getting it done up around the nation's capital. Back in just a sec. It's no secret Kel is a Kenwood fanboy and continues to enjoy his Kenwood rigs. Yeah, I've got some vintage stuff. I've got some late stuff. But I can tell you what, every piece of Kenwood gear I have has been quality. And the best prices to find quality Kenwood gear will be found at mtcradio.com. That's right, MTC Radio, main trading company down in Paris, Texas, has all you need for any Kenwood need you have. Check them out at mtcradio.com. Back with Stuart Thomas here, Kilo Bravo One Hotel, Quebec, Sierra. I'm Kale, and uh, we're chatting about national parks on the air. This is not a contest, but it's a, a lively, a lively contest of friends as uh, amateurs make contacts with folks who are activating national parks here to celebrate their centennial um, celebration. That was a kind of a 
double in time. Anyway, um, Stuart, tell us a little bit about uh, getting in the gate. Some of these national parks, you just drive in, they're free. Other ones, you have a, a guardhouse and you pay to get in. It's something to kind of consider, right? It is, yeah. And you also need to consider the operating hours. Um, some parks, um, you know, you really you need to be there during operating hours, and when they close, you got to leave. And But before you can even get in, um, a lot of parks have entrance fees. Some don't. Um, what I did is I bought the annual pass from the National Park Service. I think it was like 75 or 80 bucks, and that's good for the year. So I don't have to worry about it. Um, you know, I go into parks and I just flash it. You know, membership has its privileges, and <laughs> I'm good to go. So just be aware that you may have to pay a few bucks to get in. Um, that that definitely occurs on some parks. So, and if, if you're going to be um, serious we, like you're doing it, the is, you're probably better off to go ahead and buy the, the year pass. I would say, yeah, for sure. Okay. I would say if, if you're going to go to a lot of parks that have fees, I mean, at a certain point, it's going to pay for itself. All right. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go right ahead. No, that's fine. Um, also, you know, some parks are sensitive areas. Um, if you look on the AWRL um, listing of all the different areas to activate, some will have asterisks that will say sensitive areas are extremely sensitive. Um, you need to be aware that those parks, for um, for a variety of reasons, security reasons or whatever, um, you need to really contact the park beforehand and talk to them because um, it's been deemed, obviously, more um, more caution is needed before activating in that park. So that's important. I got you. I got you. Now, I'm curious. When you get there, you, you say you set up, you put your antenna. I mean, do you, before you spot yourself, do you, do you stop in and, and have a picture made with the with the sign, you know, the big wooden sign out in front of the, the gig there to kind of commemorate you being there or not? Yeah, um, AWRL requires that you have some kind of proof that you were there, whether it's uh, a picture of, you know, GPS coordinates on a GPS or a phone, um, you know, a picture in front of a sign, uh, the national park that you're at, um, or they also have like the passport book, um, which is um, you go in and they have like these um, stamps that you can stamp and it has like the date and the time and the park that you're at. Um, apparently not just us, but a lot of people, I guess, are really into that. They, they call them um, cancelization stamps, I guess. Oh, okay. And um, so you have to have some kind of proof that you were there. And and then, you know, at that point, I pretty much set up. And um, I always do this beforehand because, you know, you get into a pileup and you're tired, you're done. You're like, All right, I'm going to go home. And then you're like, oh, you, you don't want to leave without having that proof. So I always do it beforehand just to have it done. I got you. Now, uh, I've seen you posting on Facebook about uh, your different activations that you were planning uh, is that the best way to kind of keep up with you guys or, or is there, do you, is there a favorite, uh, national park on the air reporting site or where, where can we go to find stuff like that? Oh, sure. Yeah. There's a lot of different ways. Um, probably the first, the best way is to go into the AWRL site under national parks on the air. They have uh, a page. Um, it's like register your activation or something like that. And you can go in and you can say, all right, on this date and time, I'm going to be at this location. So people can look at that. Um, we have a National Parks on the Air Facebook page. You can join, become a member. Uh, a lot of people will spot people as they hear them on that page. Like, for example, today I was looking at it, and there were a ton of people being spotted on that page. Um, you can talk about problems you're having, ideas. It's, it's a great resource. Um, you know, also, as far as um, you can self-spot yourself because it's not a contest, I use DX Summit, and it works really well. Just as soon as you put it in, be ready because it's going to come, <laughs> come, come fast. You know, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, the weekends are even crazier um, just because there's more people on the air. Um, so just be aware of that. I ask for initially if I get if I'm getting a ton of people, um, I ask for QRP, portable or mobile stations first or other national park activators um, and kind of work them first and then forward from there. Um, some people work numbers. I'm not a big fan of working the numbers, so I tend to avoid that. But it depends on how you how you want to do it. 
Well, that's your choice. You're the operator, right? Uh, exactly. Do you, use, yeah. do you use APRS at all while you're there? Can people find you on APRS? I do. Yeah, I, I run APRS, um, sometimes successfully, sometimes not. <laughs> um, I also have a dual. Yeah, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, I also have a dorm in Reach that works through Iridium Satellite, and I have a tracking set up for that so people can track me in real time. And then um, you know, I can send messages on frequencies I'm on and things like that. Um, I also have an email sign up, so if people are interested, they can go to my QRZ page and um, send me an email and say, hey, I want to get your newsletter. So like, for example, this weekend, I'm going to Shenandoah National Park. They'll get an email with all the dates and times and frequencies that I'm going to be on. And I'm also on Twitter as well. So I'm kind of maximizing the whole social media aspect of it. Well, why not, right? I mean, it's there to be used. Yeah. I, I sure, th- and it works out really well. You know? Well, I think it's one of the most underused uh, ways to address the hobby to folks who may be interested in getting into the hobby. Um, but that's just Kel's opinion, and we won't say much more about that. You can find him on QRZ with his call. It's Kilo Bravo 1, Hotel Quebec, Sierra. Is that your original call? Is that what you got when you got licensed? It was, yeah. I got it up in Maine uh, many years ago. Um, and, yeah, as one uh, guy from the U.K. said, Kilo Bravo 1, high-quality signal, which I think is funny because being a QRP signal, it's usually not that. But um, Or headquarters. I like to call it headquarters because yeah, it's called abbreviation for headquarters. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. All right, let's, uh, let's keep rolling here. We're talking about uh, activating national parks on the air. Uh, do you ever do any, like, dual activations where you're doing SOTA and NPOTA? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, um, you know, someone on the air is a lot of fun. No question about it. You combine the two together. Now you've got two different groups that are looking for you, and it really maximizes, you know, your contacts and your fun. Um, You know, I'm doing Shenandoah National Park tomorrow um, where I'm doing a dual um, soda and national parks on the air. And the the national parks on the air is Shenandoah National Park and the Appalachian Trail. The Appalachian Trail is kind of unique. Or Any scenic trail, you have to actually get to the trail under your own power just like soda. And you have to be within 50 feet of the trail. In my case, it's right on the trail, so it's not a problem. Um, but, yeah, you can give out, you know, the, the um, soda number designator as well as National Park. So it's, it gets really crazy fast. It's a lot of fun. So when, when, you, when you spot yourself, uh, well, will you be able to spot yourself because you'll be doing a soda activation? Yeah, because what I'll do is I'll, I'll spot myself on soda's spotting page. And then I'll spot myself on DX Summit. And I'll just do both. I mean, in reality, in reality, I'll probably just do soda first and and try to work those guys in those chasers, right. and then national parks will probably come in after. Fantastic. Now, um, is this something that uh, ten or fifteen contacts, or is it going to be, uh, be be more than that? Do you th- how, how does how does that average for you, or does it just depend on the park? Uh, it depends on the park and it, the weekends for sure. No question about it. I did Fort McHenry last weekend. And it was just a wall of noise. It was completely unruliness. Um, and one thing I'd like to mention, if you're a chaser, give your call sign once. Don't give it multiple times. Don't give me partial calls. Just give it once. Because if you give it three times in a row, you're just, especially if you're a big station, you're just covering up everybody else. And it just makes it, it just prolongs the misery. Give it once and I'll pick somebody out and we'll work through it. And then I'll, I'll, get, I'll get to you eventually. It's, uh, that's the best advice I can give. You know, I've heard it's quite fun to be at the uh, be on the other side of a pileup. Is it a lot of fun to work a pileup QRP in the middle of a national park? As the activator? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no, yeah, oh yeah. No question about it. I mean, I've done a lot of these, and every single time, it's still it's it's a blast. I mean, it's really, yeah, it's a lot of fun. No question about it. Is the, is there um, is there any weekends coming up uh, where? 
like there's massive amounts of activations. Is there like one weekend coming up sometime this year where all the the guys have decided they're going to activate as many parks as they can at one time just to see if the bands can you know melt or anything like that? <laughs> uh, not that I'm aware of. I'm I'm sure at some point, probably in the summer. I'm not really sure, but um, national parks. I'm sure is having some celebration of the you know for the 100 year um so maybe something on that um i'm at some point i'm going to try attempt to do as many parks as possible in one day from sun up until sundown and ideally summertime would be the place to do it the time to do it because of the uh, the maximum amount of sunlight so that'd be kind of fun just to see how many i can do um but yeah i don't know the weekends really seem to be popular but i gotta tell you even during the week now it's it's cranking you look at the facebook page and it's just constantly going that's awesome it's really cool because when i first saw uh i don't remember i guess it was on the qrz site or maybe it was on the arrl site uh talking about activating national parks on there and i thought wow okay yeah i mean it just for me personally it did nothing but as I've been listening to my local friends talk, I'm going home to chase some parks. I'm like, really? I'm just, I was kind of surprised that it was taken, um, so well. And, and maybe it's got to do with the, uh, W1AWs that, that we did last year. Maybe that's just kind of rolled in to this and people kind of kept that excitement going. Yeah, perhaps. Um, I also will say that, you know, if, if, um, if you have a minimal station and maybe you're in new ham, you just got your general ticket. This is like a perfect opportunity because you actually I wouldn't say it's a level playing field, but it's in your advantage because it's kind of like you going to some exotic DX spot and and, and setting up shop for a DX expedition. I mean, it's yeah, I'm telling you, if you listen to the pile ups for these parks and there's a lot of parks, I mean, there's a ton of lists, a ton of parks on the list. You know, it it's uh, it really is a, a, a unique opportunity that, you know, if you're thinking about it, if you have a radio that you can somehow get to a park, you know, hook up to your car battery or hook up to some kind of horrible battery. I say do it. Go. I love it. I love it. Hey, I want to come back in just a minute and talk about some things that we need to be conscious of to bring with us when we go out to activate a national park. Would that be good? Yeah, sounds good. All right, hang on, guys. We'll be back in just a few minutes. It's Stuart Thomas with Kale. His call is Kilo Bravo One Hotel, Quebec, Sierra, our high-quality signal, maybe headquarters. We'll be back in a sec. They're fighting their way through trying to attend as many ham fests as they can. Make sure you look for them this year when you're out shopping. If you don't want to wait, go to their website, bridgecomsystems.com, looking for some quality 220 gear. They've got it, and they've got it now at bridgecomsystems.com. Back with Kilo Bravo One Hotel Quebec Sierra, it's Kale K4CDN. We've been talking national parks on the air and their activation, along with some summit and portable ops. Now, Stuart Thomas is his name, and he's been out just banging these uh, national park activations out. Uh, he's been an amateur for quite some time. He's an extra class amateur operator. He came from a home of amateur class operators with his dad. I didn't have that experience, but, um, one of the things, you know, uh, with experience or with time comes experience and you're an experienced hiker. And when you get ready to go, of course, you, you, you mentioned earlier, you've got to get your stuff gathered for tomorrow, but let's say I've never done a national park activation. Let's say I've never done a soda activation. Uh, I'm sure there's list of list of lists that I need to go through, uh, but what are some of the things that I could just real easily forget because they're so obvious? Sure. Um, probably the most one that everybody always seems to forget is having some kind of a plan that you file with a family member, a wife, a parent, whoever, you know, saying, hey, I'm going to this park or I'm going up to this summit and, you know, this is how long I'll be gone. If you don't hear from me by, you know, this time, contact somebody. Um, that's important. 
So that way, if you're missing, you know, it's not three days before somebody realizes that you're gone. Um, the other thing is, you know, repeaters, you know, I would take the HT if I'm going to a new area and I'd program in the repeaters for that area. Um, you know, first aid, the basic essentials, a first aid kit, um, a compass, you know, if I'm hiking, you know, I have my full hiking pack that's already set up. Um, I'll have a first aid kit, you know, the compass, water, um, sunscreen, you know, um, I'll take my dorm in reach because that's a, it's a good way to communicate. Obviously, I go through my list. I actually have um, like a checklist that for all my hiking gear as well as my radio bag, and because <laughs> you would be surprised at how easy it is to forget, you know, some coax or a power cable or something. It happens. So you don't want to get to the top of a summit or into a park, you know, after driving for an hour and a half to realize, oh, I forgot the power cable. That's going to be a problem. So you know, having a list and going through it and checking it is really good. Um, I have a, a whole battery or a whole radio pack that i have that has everything that's in a particular place so i always know it's it's correct i can just go by looking through it um so that's important and you know making sure your car's in good condition that you have you know the basic stuff you need to travel um as well as your cell phone and a charger for it so and some food you'd be surprised i've gotten out there where i've been you know four four hours into it and i'm like i haven't eaten (laughs) i need to eat some food i forgot to bring anything you know it's you know some of these places can be in some really remote areas um depending on the park the east, not so much, but out west, definitely. So you really should have some, you know, food and water for at least a day or two with you, just to be on the safe side. Cliff bars and and bottled water. Beef jerky all day long, baby. There it's you the go. Best. That's whatever it takes to get you fed. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you we, you think that we're going to go out and do this could be great fun, uh, and you get out and you realize, oh, it's such a beautiful day, the sun's shining, it's just gorgeous out here, and you forgot your hat, and you forgot your sunscreen, and you come home looking like my craftsman toolbox, bright <laughs> red and miserable, and, and by doing that, you may decide, well, I'm never going to do that again, uh, so save yourself some headache and just give a little foresight into this preparation for, the, for your trip out. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, especially if you've been, you know, inside all winter and then you're going out in the spring sun, it can really fry you. And, you know, having the proper footwear, you know, some of the areas, especially if you're doing the summit stuff, you really need to be self-contained. You know, when I go, I take a full pack. So if I have to spend the night somewhere because for whatever reason, I can. You don't want to. I've seen a lot of people go up with just like day. Again, it depends on the distance. But, you know, if you're doing a couple miles, basically for me, if I'm doing anything over a mile, I take a full pack. And, you know, it means extra gear. But, I'd rather have it than not have it and need it. Right. So it's, it's good to be self-contained and, you know, some of these areas are remote and if, you know, I used to volunteer on the search and rescue team up in Maine and, you know, we've pulled people out of the woods and sometimes it takes a long time to get people out if they're injured or whatever the case is. And, you know, you need to, if you're out in the woods, you need to expect that it's not always quick access for emergency help. So keep that in mind. Before we go, I want to talk a little bit about, the other end and we mentioned the chaser just very briefly just asking them to give their call sign one time you're on the other side you're the man trying to work the pile up uh outside of just amateur you know niceties the way that we're supposed to behave on the air uh do you have any further uh comments to that to encourage or to discourage different behaviors uh, when folks are trying to make contacts with the activators for the national parks or the soda yeah, sure. That's a good question. Um, you know, there's times where, you know, I've, you have to control the pileup. If you let them run it, it's just going to be chaos. Um, you know, like I said, I don't like running numbers cause it's, it's not my thing to, to do call signs by number, but 
you know, sometimes I'll ask, you know, is anybody an Eagle Scout? I'll take any station that, you know, is an Eagle Scout, and he'll get a few. Anybody likes the color pink? That was a fun one. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's whatever. You know, I just try to make it fun and, and mm-hmm. not be so serious and so contest-like. Um, but, yeah, sometimes you got to lay down the law. I know some people, you know, if um, if somebody's really acting up, you take their call, don't log them. You know, then they have to suffer not. The problem with that, though, is then you have them in the constant contact, you know, where. And that's the other thing I mentioned. If you're a chaser and you don't see your credit for that park, don't email the activator the next day or that afternoon after the activation. Like, you know, is it, is it, have you logged it yet? Give it some patience, give it some time, you know, it's, it'll, it'll get there eventually. Um, you know, it's just, yeah, it's, uh, have fun with it. Don't take it so seriously. And, um, yeah, just control the pilot. Don't, don't let them run it. And, uh, don't be afraid to lay down the law if you have to. I've had to do that a few occasions where I've told people, I want your call sign once you give it to me multiple times. I'm not going to answer your call and you're not going to get logged. And they tend to fall in line pretty quickly. I love it. But I, I would say all in all, though, I mean, it's it's really been great. People have been very courteous, especially when you're asking for QRP or portable mobile stations. You know, people will, you know, you, and there's nobody there for that meets that criteria. You'll just hear silence. And that's great. You know, people will, will wait their turn. So yeah. I appreciate all the chasers in there, in there chasing me. <laughs> kind of makes you feel good about yourself, I guess, a little bit. <laughs> well, the other thing is I've met a lot of people through this, you know, online and in person. Um, that I haven't met before. So it's it's been a really great opportunity to meet other amateur radio operators. I wonder, um, I wonder, this is going to go through the entire year of 2016? Correct. Okay, yep. so we're just into February. I mean, we're halfway through the second month of the year. Uh, summer's coming, so it'll be big. But do you see this falling off in the fall? Or do you think, like in, like on the East Coast, everybody goes crazy about the leaves. Do you think we'll be going back into the mountains to activate national parks and we take our families along to look at the leaves? Yeah, I, probably so. Um, it'll probably taper off, I would imagine, some just because of the weather. Uh, when it's warmer, people tend to be more willing to go outside. You know, if it's 20 degrees, I don't care. I'll just go because I just don't care. But you know, most people are, have more common sense than that, and they'll, they'll stay home and maybe chase instead of activate. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, if you're an activator, you don't have to always be an activator. You can stay home and, and chase the activators. You know, take, you know if, if you can't get out to a park that day, go chase some activators. You're not, you're not set in either um, category. So. But yeah, it should be interesting to see how it all plays out. You know, uh, we had a we had a show not long ago where we talked to uh, talked to a gentleman about traveling with your radios and, and doing that out on the road uh, away from home. We got an email, and I, I don't have it in front of me because I closed my email during uh, calls here, so we don't hear it pinging. But um, he said, you know, one of the things that you guys probably should have mentioned in that program was you should have a copy of your amateur radio license with you when you go and you're going to operate portable in some town that people aren't familiar with you and you're setting up at a hotel. And I thought that was a brilliant point that we both missed in the recording of that show. And I think it works well here too, that we may need to insert it into this program as well. Uh, just because you have a handy talkie and a, a big antenna, a couple of antennas on your car, it doesn't grant you any special privileges. You need to be able to identify yourself and your amateur radio license, whether it's the, the one that they used to mail you in the mail or the one now that you print off yourself, it's still your federal identification papers. And that's probably a good idea. Would you say, Stuart, to take with you? Oh, yeah, no question about it. I mean, you know, you are on federal property. So being able to show a federal license might be able to get you some leeway. I always carry a, a laminated version, kind of like a mini version, 
um, with my radio. So I always have a copy. And that's a that's an excellent point is to is to have that. And, you know, when I talk to the park rangers, I, I often say, you know, hi, I'm Stuart Thomas. You know, I'm I'm an FCC licensed amateur radio operator. I try to say it kind of slow so they can absorb all of it. And they tend they, they tend to perk up with that. They're kind of like, oh, OK. You know, like, you know, it's a hobby and what we're doing. And I explain, you know, what the situation is. And they tend to be very receptive with that. So um, might as well use it to your advantage. And the other thing, the last point I'd like to mention is, you know, we're guests at that park. And, you know, I, you know, using headphones and trying not to disrupt other participants of the park who are not amateur radio operators who just happen to be at the park, not disrupting their experience. And that includes with soda as well at the summit. Try not to be obtrusive and, and being in the way of other people and, and being loud. I just, you know, try to be respectful of that. And, you know, it, that goes a long ways. Yeah, that's uh, something that can be lost quite easily in today's society. And that's a, a good reminder. Thank you for that. Stuart, we've enjoyed having you on. We've been, uh, we've been chatting back and forth on, on the internet for quite some time and it's nice to get you here. Uh, I know that there are some other things that you participate with that we could probably have you back on the program as well to discuss. So, uh, let's keep that in mind, but I uh, want to wish you all the best this year with your national park activations. Please be careful. Uh, you know, it doesn't sound like much, but some of those places can be kind of hairy and, um, please, of course, being an experienced hiker and not kale, you'll probably be just fine. <laughs> It is the great outdoors after all. So exactly. very good. Well, thanks for having me, Kale. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for coming in with us, and we hope to have you again soon. Guys, you can uh, find him on QRZ, like you said, at Kilo Bravo 1 Hotel, Quebec, Sierra. And he's got some links that he sent me. We will make sure those are in our show notes. And uh, as he said, if you've got questions, he's got answers. And we'll, uh, we'll continue the conversation next time, Stuart. Thanks for coming by. Thanks, Kale. Take care. Closing out episode number 46. Is that amazing or what? Uh, I, I can't believe that we're this close to 50 when we didn't really intend to go past five. So thank you all for sticking with us, for making it worth our while putting these things together. Thank you, big thank you to Stuart for coming on and sharing with us about your adventures as a SOTA and National Parks on the Air activator. Guys, make sure if you have any questions, you check out the show notes at photimepodcast.com. And we'll have everything that Stuart talked about linked there. And if you're just killing time, make sure you tune in the bands looking for them. You can follow him along as well. The links will be on the show notes page there that uh, have the links where he can activate you or let you know when he's activating, rather, the uh, the next spot on the map. So, again, thank you, Stuart, for uh, checking in with us. Appreciate all the comments and all the emails, Twitter follows, the shares and whatnot on Facebook. And remember... Keep your ears open for what's happening on episode number 50. We are going to try to do a live program, not just live audio. I'm shooting for live video, maybe a once-in-a-lifetime experience here if we can get it all worked out. So don't get too far away from the connection. We're going to let you know. We'll give you plenty of time, plenty of heads-up time, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Episode 50 will be a celebration of the Photime Podcast. But until next time, guys, I so appreciate you listening. God bless every one of you. 73, y'all. Thanks for listening, downloading, and subscribing to Photime, the other ham radio podcast, presented by mtcradio.com. To subscribe, comment, share, or review, visit our show site at photimepodcast.com. Till next time, 73, y'all. <laughs>